From local to global, we bring you the best conversations with your favorite athletes and Olympians. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Here we go again. Tom and company here with the latest Olympics.com podcast. You know, our news, social, and commissioning platforms are always eyeing and updating content on the most important international events like the FINA World Aquatics Championships in Fukuoka, Japan. The best of the world's best swimmers, divers, water polo, artistic swimming, and marathon swimming athletes getting busy in the event of the year. Many Olympic medalists there to splash and flash. Among them, Lydia Jacoby. Among many other accolades and trophies, Lydia has her own bobblehead. Yeah, that's right, her own bobblehead. Yeah, I do have a bobblehead. It's it's based on um, the picture of me on the podium. So I have my medal around my neck. Both my hands are in the air. I have my bouquet of flowers. It's definitely like funny when they first contacted me. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. How did she earn the bobble honor? The teenager took Tokyo 2020 by storm, coming from left field and Alaska. The first Alaskan swimmer to make the Olympics then upset reigning gold medalist Lily King in the 100-meter breaststroke. Watch out for Jacoby, here she comes. Jacoby on the charge, Skuenmaka driving forward. Lily King has got to bring something in the last 15 meters if she wants to win this. It's gonna be gold to the American, goodness me. The 17-year-old Lydia Jacoby has struck gold for the United States, and this is a turn-up for the books. It's a shock. America have won, but it's not the world record holder, Lily King. What a story. At 17, Lydia was the youngest USA Olympic champion in any event in Tokyo. She had trimmed nearly a half second off the time that qualified her for the USA Olympic team. But Olympic gold is tough to top for a 17, 18-year-old. And Lydia went through a rough patch last year, struggling at U.S. Nationals, failing to qualify for the FINA Aquatics World Championships 2022. But now, thanks to a serious diet of rededication and a great push swimming for the University of Texas Longhorns, Lydia's back at the Worlds, finishing a fraction behind Lily King at the U.S. Nationals, earned Jacoby another shot at the Worlds. Lydia and I chatted recently before she knew she was going back to the Worlds, and I think you'll agree she gets an A for Alaska, among other things. You're listening to Olympics.com podcast. Lydia Jacoby, welcome to the Olympics.com podcast. Really appreciate your taking some time away from training to join us and uh, reflect on uh, what has so far been a, a, you know, you're young, but there's been a lot going on in your life. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. I want to start with Alaska um, because. Again, um, it's out there in the U.S. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm from New York, so, you know, forgive me. Yeah, but opposite. I, exactly. I mean, to you, New York's out there, out that way. <laughs> I know it's in your blood and everything, but how has Alaska motivated and influenced your growth? Yeah, it is a big question. But, um, yeah, I think Alaska is such a special place because um, even though it's like the biggest state, it's such a small community. Um, you know, I was really involved with, um, like art and theater growing up, uh, or art, music, theater, um, as well as swimming and like everybody's so intertwined all throughout the state. Um, 
when you leave the state, like there's an automatic connection between Alaskans. So I'd say the community was just such a big part of my success. Um, so yeah, I'm very thankful for everybody up in my home state. And uh, okay, so you started swimming at six. But what else were you doing? I want to know what else you were doing at six, running around, giving your parents, you know, breaking thing. I mean, being six, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure it was up to all sorts of things. Well, just what do you remember other than learning to swim? I mean, what what was what are your earliest memories? I don't know, you know, from being a kid. Yeah, I'd say growing up in Alaska um, is definitely super special. I mean, you grow up with the same people like I had the exact same um, like high school class, give or take a few people moving, but um, all the way from preschool through graduation. Um, so me and all my friends would go on hikes. We had a little um, like parent co-op that would like swap around who was taking care of all the kids day to day. So we'd all have like daily play dates. Um, uh, I was, I grew up and spending a lot of time on my family's um, sailboat. Both my parents are boat captains. Um, so we would spend a lot of time every year on the boat, which is the main reason why I started swimming was my parents wanted to make sure I was really comfortable in the water. Um, in addition to being like water safe, um, just since that was a big part of our lifestyle. Um, so yeah, those are kind of my roots as a six-year-old Alaskan girl. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get used to, and this is just a, a stupid question did you get used to swimming in really really cold water no okay. i'll never be used to swimming. okay good that's the worst part of being a swimmer is getting into the water especially for morning practice right it never gets warmer right <laughs> right it isn't like it's it's not like a jacuzzi you know right it's not a whirlpool exactly, yeah. um <laughs> and you mentioned your parents uh not only had the, you were captains uh what was it like on board with them yeah, I mean, it was always fun. I um, learned all about sailing, um, so I'd help out around the boat. Um, yeah, it's always fun. My parents both were boat captains for um, Kenai Fjords Tours, which is like a tourism company in our town. So people would like go out for day trips out to see the glaciers and see animals and stuff. So I grew up around those boats, too. I'd hang out with the crew and hang out up in the wheelhouse with my parents and try to spot different animals in the water. Um, so yeah, it was always fun. Definitely a really neat way to grow up. Yeah. That's so cool. So uh, unlike mm -hmm. so many others, it's so, you're for, so fortunate. I, I did a little bit of sailing off Rhode Island when I was young and, you know, I always remember that feeling of not seeing land and, you know, it's kind of scary, but it's also really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a wild feeling for sure. Um, and your dad took expeditions to Antarctica. Yeah, my dad was working for um, a company called Zagrom for a while. Uh, they unfortunately didn't make it through COVID. Um, but yeah, he did some pretty cool trips with them. It's kind of an upscale um, like cruise ship company with a lot smaller boats. Um, so he was driving Zodiacs for them um, and was an expedition leader. So yeah, he spent some time down in Antarctica and um, Svalbard and... Iceland, wow. um, up around the UK. So did, yeah, lots of cool trips. Did you do any of that? I did not. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't didn't okay. wasn't able to. But okay. hopefully, in the future. Yeah, um, I read, and and this is a a very sharp insight that you said sport is a cool way to travel and make friends. And 
you know, as you got, mm-hmm. as you started swimming and became successful and uh, it was more than just your local club and you were able to begin to travel and work, uh, you know, work in the water anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think that this is one of the things that like all throughout my swimming career has kind of been a pattern for me is like, you really do like there are only swimming's like Alaska where there's only so many people that do it. So there's a pretty strong bond in that community. Um, especially when you narrow it down to like specific events. So like, um, this is one thing I was talking about a while ago with the Olympics is, um, people were asking me like, Oh, who was the coolest person? Like you met there. And honestly, like while I was there, I didn't really meet a ton of people um, just because of COVID and stuff. But ever since, like seeing these people later and stuff, you have this automatic connection of like the shared experience that nobody else has ever had or will ever have, especially with that like COVID Olympics. Um, So I do think it's really cool, like what a community is built there um, and how like you can talk to people around around the world, like people that don't even speak the same language like you you do have the bond with them um, and like a friendship. So yeah, like I'm friends with um, several people who like don't really speak English and I don't speak their language. Uh, but every time we see each other, we're like, Hey, <laughs> that's really cool. I mean, they say Olympian for life and it really is true. You know, that's never mind what you do there. Just making it gets you into this really, really select community. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you had tickets for Tokyo the year before you went and won a gold medal. You had tickets. <laughs> like you weren't going to yeah, swim. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my parents thought it would be really cool. Um, I mean, obviously, I was qualified for Olympic trials in 2020. Um, uh, when, like, ticket sales came available, my parents were like, oh, it would be really cool if we could go and, like, watch. So we were going to go to Japan for a little while um, and then go to Tokyo and watch some Olympic stuff. Um, so, and then obviously Olympics got postponed a year, trials got postponed a year. Um, and then it became like a real possibility that I would actually be like in the games, not just in the stands. So yeah, that is pretty wild. I'd forgotten about that. So was it ever whispered that maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll see you compete in Tokyo when they bought the tickets or was it such a far out thought? Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think that was part of it was like, they were like, Oh, well we could go and watch and like, maybe like it'll be in it. But uh-huh. If not, it'll be a cool experience for like our whole family to go. Um, yeah, I think, so I qualified for Olympic trials when I was 14. Um, wow. And like, not, not every, like swimming's not a super popular sport. So people don't like necessarily understand like the process for selection right. and stuff. So a lot of people heard like, oh, you qualified for Olympic trials. And that kind of automatically brought up the assumption like, oh, you're qualified for the Olympics. Yeah, you're Olympian, like, sure. Yeah. So there was a lot of that ever since I was 14. Like, oh, you're going to the Olympics. Um, <laughs> and even before that, just like coming from such a small community, like, um, I was seeing a lot more success in my peers. So I always like, kind of like as a joke, like, Oh, Lydia's like our little Olympian. Um, so that was kind of something I like grew up with my whole life. And I think I just really kind of like embodied that and, um, manifested it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's great. I, and I noted, um, and this is a dream, part of the dream, a crazy improvement, nearly a half a second from the trials 
to win the gold at Tokyo. Uh, you you said you're very much a final swimmer, and, and and in other sports that say they'd say you're a gamer, or you're a clutch, or yeah. you, you know you want the ball in your hands, or something like that, and you feel that way. Yeah, that's an interesting one too. I do remember saying that, and I I still do think it's true. I've been called a gamer by a lot of people. Um, I refer to myself as a gamer. Like I. I'm never like, I'm not always the fastest person in practice. Like if, if some random person came in and was watching our practice, you'd never guess I was the Olympian. Um, but, uh, I think that has shifted a little bit for me, especially since I've started training at Texas. Um, that's one thing like I've been working on a lot with my coaches here is, um, kind of building my confidence, like in my training and in like out of season competition, um, like unrested, so just like swimming fast when I'm tired, um, swimming fast in practice, because that definitely was I'd kind of hide behind that gamer title, I think, sometimes. And mm-hmm. just like if I was having a bad practice, I'd just be like, well, it's fine. Like I'm I'm a racer. Like it's fine. Get Like I'd use that as a defense. So just kind of like breaking that down. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I have grown a lot in practice and out of season. And I think that's going to help even more because you don't lose that gamer. No, instinct, exactly. Sure. I, and I like the way you said that. But <laughs> but there is I mean, you know, I'm an athlete, uh, played basketball a lot, not at your level. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is something to the, you know, channeling adrenaline, being in the moment in the most pressure packed moments when maybe others are having trouble breathing or and you just go, mm-hmm. this is me. Yeah, I I think I've always been pretty good at that. I think it's just a matter of like remembering that like you deserve to be there. I think at any level people get psyched out and they're like, oh my gosh, like the person next to me is so much faster, like do it like this and this. And it's like, no, you have a lane in that pool, just like the person next to you. It doesn't matter if they're a world record holder. It doesn't matter if they're Olympic champion, like we're all there in the same pool and we're all there for a reason. So I feel like that's just a like good perspective to keep in mind. Right. Okay. Let's go back to Tokyo 2020, which was mm-hmm. obviously 21. Uh, yeah. did, did, what was it like the whole thing, opening ceremonies, the Olympic village? Uh, I mean, before you got in the water, what was it like? Yeah. I remember the first day coming into the Olympic village. Um, we, so we took a bus from like our training camp that we'd been in, in Tokyo, like our team USA, took the bus in, got dropped off. There's kind of the center outside of the village. So we all got COVID tested like mm-hmm. multiple times before we could enter. Um, and then we got on this tiny little bus and the aisle was like so narrow. You couldn't really walk down it. You kind of had to like stand sideways and kind of like tippy toe down the aisle. Um, I remember trying to like fit all of our huge suitcases in there. We're all like passing them overhead um and just like driving through the village in that funny little bus with the whole team um and looking out and seeing like all the buildings all like decked out in like their country's stuff like australia had statues great britain had like flags and like bikes with like the great british like the flag and um you know like the netherlands was all covered in orange like it's just so cool um and like mind-blowing seeing all that driving past like the big Olympic rings sculpture. Um, So yeah, pulling into the village is definitely a a big memory for me. And did you, were you in opening ceremonies? I was not. So swimming. Oh, that's um, right. Right. Because of COVID, they didn't bring everybody in. Right. We're one of the first sports um, or first events. So unless you are a flag bearer or you aren't competing in the first can't remember exactly what it is. I want to say the first eight sessions. So that'd be the first four days of the meet. 
um, you're not allowed to go. Um, and then with COVID, they were like, oh, especially right. like, even if you are com- like aren't competing right. on the first eight, like they strongly recommend that we like didn't go. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a bummer to miss that. Um, but it was also fun. We had, um, I can't remember if it was team USA or great Britain cause our buildings were right next to each other, but one of them had, um, the opening ceremonies projected on the side of the building. So like the whole team was out like sitting in bean chair, bean bags and like camping chairs and stuff like around the lawn watching the ceremonies. So it was a pretty like special experience nonetheless. That's awesome. And then, and take us through, you know, your, the gold medal performance. Uh, I mean, you know, Lily King was very gracious in, in defeat mm-hmm. and said, it's your time and you were the best and all this, but you, and, you know, like you said, you know, you had your lane, but you also knew she had her lane and um, yeah. it, it was, I don't know if you were stunned, but it was a stunning upset, quote unquote. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I mean, no one was talking about me like going into that race. I mean, you had Lily King, who's the reigning, who was the reigning Olympic champion, world record holder. You had Tatiana, who's the, from semifinal, she's the Olympic record holder. Um, you have like world medalists, like world gold medalists, like an incredible field of women. Um, like my name, I don't think my name was even mentioned maybe once, maybe, maybe it was once, but like, um, in that kind of lead up to that race. How did you feel about um, that? Did, did you kind of like that? I mean, some, some athletes like that chip on their shoulder and like, I'll, I'll show you. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I didn't really care at that point. Like I had never, like I broke out at the Olympic trials. Right. So like I had never really been in that limelight before. So that wasn't anything like, right. I don't know. I didn't really feel any sort of way about it. It's just how it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I went into the finals seated third. I was second seated second coming into the game. So I knew I was in position for a medal. Um, but yeah, to turn around and see that that gold medal um, finish on the board was like, yeah, pretty mind blowing. And was that part of your gamer, part of your uh, very, very much a final swimmer? Was it that kind of performance? Do you remember things slowing down? What do you remember in the water? Probably not much you're working, but is there any memory you took from that? I mean, usually when I have a really good race, I like completely black out. Um, and that's pretty much what it was like for that. Um, I do remember like kind of my mentality going through, like, cause you have prelims, semifinals, yep. finals, um, prelims. I was just kind of excited. Like it's my first race at the Olympics. I swam really well, suited second semifinals. I kind of psyched myself out because I was like, well, why aren't I more nervous? I should be nervous. So I made myself like sickeningly nervous Um, (laughs) uh, and didn't swim as well. Seated third. Um, And so coming into finals, I was like, like, I need to just let it go. Like I'm I'm 17. I made an Olympic team. Like I have nothing to prove, um, nothing to lose. So I was just swimming really free. And I feel like that's the biggest thing um, with competing. And that's definitely something that like post Olympics, I was like, well, now I'm like, uh, I'm an Olympic gold medalist. Like I need to keep doing this and this and this. Um, so I've just kind of been switching that mentality back to what it was before, but kind of reverse, like I've already done it and I have nothing to prove. So just allowing myself to swim free again. Yeah. Um, 
what a moment. And, and, um, and when you touched, like when you came, I don't know, do you, when you come out of the water, do you have a sense like I, I'm, I'm one, two or three, I, I'm right there. I mean, yeah, you, I, I feel like you could feel it in the air. Like I, I don't necessarily know. I like have a hard time reading the board, um, but like <laughs> as soon as you touch, like I turned around, I was like trying to read it and like Lily was right there and she like hugged me. Tatiana was right there. Like, like, yeah, it was, it was definitely an incredible moment. They kind of told you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I have down here on my question, suddenly in the media's eye, and you, you referred to that briefly in your answer just a few minutes ago. But um, I mean, again, uh, once an Olympian, always an Olympian. Now you're a gold medalist, which obviously mm -hmm. changes anybody's life. So what was it like? I'm sure like Alaska wasn't the same anymore because you're the you're the thing. <laughs> I'm the thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely wild. I mean, like going from going into the Olympic trials, so being a 17 year old girl, the private Instagram account um, living in Alaska um, and then coming out of that Olympic final, watching my followers go from zero to 80,000 like um coming home and having like every single window have my name in it and pictures of my face um and having like everyone recognize me even like coming home in the airport and stuff like it's definitely super wild and and then but at some point you know it tapers off um mm -hmm. and uh for a lot of people you know for anybody at any level, mm -hmm. when, you know, when the crowd roar, when the roar ends and then you're back to you and then let's say, you know, you start to get back in the water and, and work toward the next thing. It's difficult to reach that level of, you know, preparation and dream and right. I mean, I... yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's something like people told me that and people can tell you that over and over and over. But I don't think that's something that anybody really fully realizes until they're experiencing it um and that's definitely how it was for me like people talked about like post-olympic lows post-olympic depression um but like coming off the olympics i was riding this huge high like the 17 i just won an olympic gold medal olympic silver medal like um i really was like living out my dreams and so like i decided i didn't need any break from the water i think i took like a week off wow. um and i started training again so I was just excited. I was ready to go. I was like, I want more. I want more of this. Um, and then I like completely hit a wall. I like didn't want to go to practice. Um, didn't want to train, didn't want to do anything outside of practice. I decided to graduate high school a semester early. So I wasn't going to school. Um, I like was, I was training, but I, like my mind wasn't really there in it. Um, so yeah, I definitely had a really hard time. Um, like afterward. And I think it wasn't really until, um, uh, April, the year after the Olympics, when I missed the world's team, um, for that next summer, that big meet, um, when I was really like, Oh, like I need to get my shit together. Like this is, <laughs> this isn't, I had known, but like, I wasn't, there wasn't any reason for me to do anything about it. So that was kind of my wake up call. Like this isn't sustainable. Right. Um, and, and, yeah. and, uh, but, but they had told you like, this is, you know, this hangover mm -hmm. was, is normal. 
And, yeah. you know, it, you'd be superhuman if you didn't feel that. Yeah, no, for sure. I think um, that's the thing is like people see Olympians as superhuman. Yeah. So there is this expectation that like we handle things in a superhuman way and that's just not reality. And I feel like that is something that like in like my in Tokyo Olympics, like there was so many more conversations around mental health. Yes. with like, um, yeah. So, um, like even on, like on the U S team, like all around in the village, there's talked of it in the media. So, um, I think that is like a huge positive that came out of the Olympics. And I definitely see that momentum continuing, um, to kind of, I think social media also as I think it can be, um, pretty like brutal. I think of the right word. Yeah, I suppose brutal. I think social media can be difficult, but I also think that um, it can be like really good because it does allow like the public to see athletes as like people. Like I think, I mean, I know a lot of my friends post about like, I don't know, just like day to day things, even if it isn't anything about mental health, like pictures of you, like going to brunch with your friends or going to a concert or something like it's just things that like everyday people do and I feel like it is um a good way for people to kind of start realizing like we're all on the same the same wavelength we're all people um kind of breaking down those like superhuman stereotypes for sure and that's funny because that's my next question about the importance Mm -hmm. of this age of mental health awareness and Mm -hmm. obviously physical health is is part of that conversation but I think much more uh, than in, in the past when I grew up, you know, you suck it up, you know, it was, yeah. weak. it was weak to show that kind of stuff. And, and now, you know, it's, it's, it's not expected, but you know, it's okay to just say, to just mm-hmm. be honest and be vulnerable. And it, uh, it is healing if, if you can, if you can get through it that way. Yeah, for sure. And I do think like, to a certain extent, there are like, times when you do need to suck it up a little bit. I mean, we all still need to carry on and yep. go through life. We need to be successful. And like, in order to do that, you do have to have a certain amount of like thick skin and be able to um, kind of work through some of the things. But I do think that like opening up this conversation about mental health actually allows people to build that thick skin more naturally, because like, if you can talk about it, you like, like, it's not weird to have a therapist and be able to, like, talk about that with somebody outside of your right. life. So then when you go back to your life, you are more grounded um, and ready to do the things you need to do. So I do think it's definitely a positive. For sure. And I was going to ask you, you know, what do you tell young kids? You're a young kid. <laughs> but, when, yeah. but obviously, you're, you know, now you have a great, pa- a great message. You have a great uh, platform to help and, you know, sort of pay it forward. Thank you. Yeah. Um. I think there's there's so many things I'm like going through a bunch of different ones in my head, but um, well, you can say them all if you want. <laughs> <laughs> this is one I brought up the other day, um, and I don't remember the exact quote, um, but it was something about um, being like so many people don't achieve all the things that they want in life because they think that they're scared of their darkness, but they're actually scared of their light. Um, and I think that that's definitely something that's important to remember is I think so many people don't do certain things because they're scared of how much it might change their life and don't realize that it might change their life for the better. Um, so I think fully embracing like 
all the parts of you um, and all the success that you could have rather than hiding from that. Um, I don't know. I, I think that was pretty powerful when I first heard it, and I wish I could remember the exact quote. But <laughs> I, I I got the gist of it. And and you mentioned yeah. you know your parents, captains, and you know uh, on the boat a lot. And what what part of you and that you know that acceptance of of your vulnerabilities and frailties, and yet mm-hmm. also being willing to suck it up. What part of that do they play? Yeah, I mean, my parents are such a big part of my life. Growing up, I was homeschooled all through middle school. Um, and they taught me a lot about, obviously, myself um, and just about the world. I think traveling was definitely um, a big part of my childhood and just experiencing different cultures and um, places around the world. And it is interesting, like, how differently different cultures, like, there's just different mannerisms, different expectations. And I feel like as society is changing, especially in regards to mental health, like um, it is interesting to like look around the world and see like how different different areas are and how like different areas are changing to match one another. Um, so I feel like that's definitely something my parents exposed me to early on. That's that's really uh, important stuff, I think. You mm-hmm. mentioned um, you didn't get to Worlds. I think it was 2022 last year. Um, yeah, summer 2022. Where are you now? Yeah, I think I'm in a really good position. Um, got worlds this summer. Um, I've so far gone undefeated this spring um, in my 100 breaststroke. So I'm hoping to continue on that streak. Um, and yeah, I feel like I've gained a lot of confidence in my training, um, just racing tired and everything like I was talking about earlier since I've come to Texas. And I think that'll all be a huge benefit me for me going into this summer. No doubt. Um, and uh, how has how can, you know, the trials prep you well mm-hmm. for the worlds? I mean, getting ready, I guess it's big competition. Get used to that. And then you, you turn around, you go to worlds. What's that like? Mm-hmm. Does it, does, yeah, it's got to help, right? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. Like in the U.S., top two people in each event make the world's team um, or the Olympic team, depending on what, yep. what year it is. Um, but it's like the U.S. has so many incredible athletes. Like the top eight people at U.S. trials could potentially be meddling right. at like worlds or the Olympics. Um, so it is just such a competitive field. And I think – for us athletes there is a lot more stress going into trials going into olympic trials than there is going into like the actual games which sounds insane but no, i get it just like the stress of that like not knowing up until a month before whether you'll even be at the meet that you've been training the last four years right. to make um it is absolutely it is like crazy it's a gauntlet and um so i feel like trials in the u.s like if you can get through that the Olympics world. That's just a, <laughs> another little ride. Um, so yeah, I think as awful as it can be, I think that the U S definitely benefits from that. Um, just because our athletes, like we go through so much at those meets, like our skin's pretty thick by the time we, um, get on deck at world level meets. For sure. Um, what, what are your, some of your superstitions, a game day? Are you grumpy? Are you mean? Are you really friendly to all the people when you're getting ready? I mean, take us into the mind of Lydia. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want to think I'm mean, but maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm usually. Ch- I like to talk in the ready room, which I think probably annoys a lot of people. But uh, I have a couple other like comrades in my event that also are chatty, so it usually works out. Um, yeah, some people like to just kind of like have their headphones mm-hmm. on, be like game face, but I just feel like. I just like get to in my head. So just staying loose, chatting, walking around, jumping around. Um, I don't know. I usually don't start thinking about the race. I mean, I think about it, but I don't really like get in race mode until I'm like walking out behind the blocks. Um, I mean, I guess this isn't really a superstition, but just like something that I think is important. We don't train 20 hours a week for nothing. Like you train 20 hours a week so that, when you get up behind the blocks, you already know how to do like what you have to do. Yep. Like if you have to think about it too much, you didn't train enough. Like we train so that when we get on the blocks, you just go. Um, so I don't think there's any reason to think about it too hard. Um, like once you're there, you're there. What's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. There's, there's like that thought. Once you've put in the work, you just trust it, you know, exactly. this is yeah. it. I've, I've already, I've already done all this. So now, and, and some people like, you know, they, let's go have fun. You know, like I, yeah. I've done everything I can do now. It's fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. You have a bobblehead. <laughs> I do have a bobblehead. Yeah. Do you have one? Do you have your own? I do. It's somewhere. I just you, moved. Uh, so you don't have it. You don't have it with you. I want to see. I mean, bobbleheads basically <laughs> all look like they all look like family. You know, uh-huh. nothing looks too different. I wanted to see how much I've, I've seen it online. It's 30 bucks, by the way. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I don't have it right here. I just okay. moved. So okay. It's, it's okay. somewhere well, I, in boxes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I do have a bobblehead. It's it's based on um, the picture of me on the podium. So I have my mm-hmm. medal around my neck. Both my hands are in the air. I have my bouquet yeah. of flowers. Um yeah, it's it's definitely like funny when they first contacted me. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. But yeah, I do hope it serves as a little like inspiration for young women and their for sport. sure. And I mean, thing. do your parents have one? Is it is it like <laughs> featured in in your hometown? I mean, how popular yeah, is the bobblehead? A lot of like friends and family have them. Um, <laughs> One of our close family friends have a um, like BW van and always had like a little hula girl in yeah. the like front. And that was um, you. When my bobblehead <laughs> came out, they're like, "Oh, the hula girl's getting replaced." So. <laughs> yeah, that is great. Funny. And do you do you catch some, you know, some abuse from friends about it? Like, do they they tease you? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> um. We're just about done here. I just wanted to ask you about Paris 2024. Yeah. Um, you know, you you can dare to dream, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Wouldn't be here without it. Yeah. So <laughs> as you as you think about that, and I know you have important, there's important steps to that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Paris is a pretty cool place. It is, yeah, one of my favorite cities. Um, I think obviously won't know for sure until about a month out, but, um, I am feeling really confident in all my training and I'm excited, um, kind of to go through this summer and build some more confidence through that. Um, and then keep that momentum rolling through the fall and the spring next year. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling really good and yeah, that's all you can do. 
Yeah. Do, do you do, does the defending, like I said in the open, the, the reigning Olympic champion, yeah. uh, do you wear that? Is that like heavy as the crown? Because, <laughs> you know, it also is inspiring mm-hmm. for other kids younger than you, even who say she did it. You know, she came kind of out of nowhere and won mm-hmm. a gold medal. Yeah, I mean, I think there is some of that, like heavy lies of the crown. Um, and I think yeah. like. I think last year I really did let that get to me. Um, and I think that can come with a certain amount of cockiness too, um, which I also fed into just because like, I was like, oh, I'm an Olympic gold medalist. Like I'll be right. able to make the world's team. I I wasn't confident in my training, but I didn't really, in my mind, I was like, yeah, I'm like already on the team. Um, so I feel like, I feel like just going through the last year or so has given me the perspective, like, I am the reigning Olympic champion and that is um it's a privilege not a right um something that I earned and something that I need to keep working to continue to like continue to wear that crown I need to continue to do the things that I did to get me there in the first place no doubt uh, do you have any nicknames? What do your friends call you? What do your parents call you? This is where you have to get really vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> nicknames. Um, well, when I was little, I was, um, my, my best friend's name was Ren. So we were Ren Bird and Liddybug. Um, and our parents <laughs> okay. always have yeah. like little things for us with like a bird and a little ladybug on them. Um, so I'm still Lidbug or Liddy Lids. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when I made when I won the Olympics. I'm be Queen of the North. So queen of the North. Either one. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. And uh, the final thought I have, and um, it would for me, but because you live in the pool and it's your office in in a sense. I live in the pool. Yeah. Has it ruined just going out and taking a swim with friends? I mean, oh, are you able to just take definitely. a swim? No. Without trying to beat them. I mean, I think, I think swimming's like, I don't know what to do with myself. Like in a pool, like we have, um, we have like a pool, um, in our neighborhood that we can go to now. And like, we'll go out there sometimes I go in for like three minutes and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, (laughs) really? yeah. But, and the other thing is like, I just spend so much time in the pool that like, if I have a day and some free time, like that's not really what I'm going to choose to do, you know? Sure. Well, um, Lydia Jacoby, it's been a pleasure getting to know you here over Zoom. And um, you have a smile that, uh, you know, is, is reflective of all you've been through and, and, and your success as well. And uh, I wish you the best coming up uh, this summer. And you have a bunch of fans who will be following you and uh, enjoy the ride. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This is the Olympics.com podcast. So a trip to Paris 2024 is very much within Lydia's reach, but you know she'll have to wait for U.S. Nationals next year to earn that repeat trip to defend her Olympic title. The FINA Aquatics World Championships provides automatic Olympic qualifying for some events like water polo. The top two teams in the men's and women's tournament get automatic spots in Paris. Also, some countries, like Japan, offer automatic quota spots to gold medal winners in swimming events at Worlds. Also, the top three spots in relay events, earning Olympic spots for each country. Marathon swimming, the 10K, also gives automatic spots in 
Paris 2024 for the top three finishers in each gender. And diving, the top 12 athletes in each individual events, of which there are four, go to Paris, limited to two per NOC. Everybody's pushing for Paris 2024, as we are too, to provide the best original in-depth content across our platforms here at Olympics.com. Just search and click on Olympics.com, and among the interesting content relating to swimming, part of our Splash In series, Melissa Wu, the Australian Olympic diver who does not give up. The Z-Team vehicle, great episode. Can a three-time gold medalist turn around this Maltese youth water polo team? And 72, a gathering of champions, becoming an Olympic legend, Mark Spitz in Munich. Now that's it for this episode of the Olympics.com podcast. Hit us up at Olympics with any feedback you have. We love feedback, helps us to get better. You can also hit me up on my Twitter, at TK Sports Tweets. We'll see you next time. For more in-depth and original Olympics-related feature content, search our platforms here on Olympics.com. 